Welcome to SALDCAST. I'm Bob Turner, and I am the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, and uh, that is SALT. And we are once again blessed to have with us Phil Sanders with the Search for the Lord's Way program. Uh, Phil, welcome back, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, the programs that we've had previously, uh, the last two have just been super rich and very helpful. And I've got some additional questions that I think you're very qualified to help with because of your ministry experience, uh, working with elders, working with congregations, both from the standpoint of in the pulpit and through the work that you do now with search. Uh, the first of which is, the, what advice would you give young preachers? I, I know that they're, especially from schools of preaching, we're seeing a younger element uh, of men getting into ministry and those coming out of college that are involved in that. What advice would you give young ministers coming into ministry and not just their work as a minister, but as well building a relationship with their elders? I think it's so important for them to be close to their elders and be close to every elder. Sometimes preachers choose one or this one, but I, he's got to, he needs to be in their homes and he needs to invite them to his home. He needs to take time. I really believe that in that first year, of a ministry, and a lot of times uh, young ministers don't make it more than a year. Yes. And uh, then that first year, number one is learn their names. Uh, what I did when I would go to a place is I would have people tell me their names for two weeks every time I saw them, <laughs> tell me your name. And it would take me about two weeks, but it, it didn't matter whether it was 100 or it was three to 500, I could learn everybody's name within two or three weeks if they told it to me every time I saw them. But get their names down. You know, nobody, mm -hmm. everybody loves to hear their name. That's right. And that's important. And get to know who they are. Get to know who they're kin to. Uh, get to know a lot of different things. But to know people, to really be out among people in that first year is very, very important. Uh, you see everybody who's in the hospital. You, 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 you're there when they need you. You're there in the class. You... You begin to, to ask questions. You find out about people. You learn. People will tell you all of the preachers they've had before who did very, very well. They're telling you what they want. Listen. Then there are people who are going to tell you about all of the mistakes the preacher made before. <laughs> Don't ever say anything about the preacher. Right. But listen to what they've said because they're telling you what they don't want. So one of the most important things that a young preacher can do is to listen. Uh, number two is that as he's preaching, he needs to be sure to be balanced. By that I mean don't preach only on one type of topics. Begin to, to do some things that are different as time goes by. And not only to do that. Some people like series. I, I never liked to have a series that was longer than about four or five weeks. Eight weeks is the max right. because after that, people get tired of that subject. Uh, we like to do 13-week lessons in some of our curriculum, <laughs> and they should be shortened to eight. Yeah. They really should. And, and uh, I don't know of any church that can meet for 13 weeks and not have some kind of interruption during that 13 weeks. That's right. <laughs> and so uh, learn to, to have a devotional lesson, have a doctrinal lesson have a soul winning lesson, have a family lesson, but have, have a, a kind of a rotation where you're not doing the same thing always there. I know some people, some preachers, young preachers are taught to, uh, 
uh, teach expositorily, and that's a good way to do. But if that's all you ever do, after a while, people will get tired of it. That's right. Uh, one of the things I talk to young preachers about, and I say, look, you need to reinvent yourself. I visited with Raymond Kelsey a number of years ago, and I told him I was wanting to move back to Oklahoma, and I was wanting to be a preacher. He thought I wanted to be a teacher. I said, no, I want to preach. He said, oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And he opened up his door and said, I got 17 PhDs here, and I don't have a job for any of them. And so I, I, I wanted to preach. And so we were talking, although I love to teach. Uh, I, but preaching, he said, if you're going to be a preacher, you ought to know something about preaching. So I would recommend, I don't care if they have gotten out of school, they need to read a book a year, a different book a year, on the skill of preaching. Yes. Uh, if they get tired of talking, then, then get one on the skill of persuasion, the skill of speaking, the skill of, commu skill of communicating. Uh, something that builds their skill every year right? so that they're, they're sharpening how they do things as well. Just one book a year is not, not much. But uh, to grow, uh, the way churches grow is whenever a man preaches the truth, when he loves people and they know it, when he works hard and they know it, and when he spends a lot of time in prayer. Those four things, prayer, preaching the truth, loving people, and working hard, those things will build a, sure. a congregation. And so for the young preacher, uh, I would say uh, to do those things. But I would also say um, record yourself. Listen to how you sound. Many times preachers preach and they, they don't realize what they're what people are hearing right and uh it's a whole lot kinder for you to hear it for yourself <laughs> and judge yourself than somebody always be criticizing you sure yeah a lot of young men don't realize that sometimes the criticism that they hear is really for their benefit and from people who care about them and uh, they get offended or whatever. But, you know, you take a young man and he's got so much arrogance or pride that he gets offended by everything. Let me tell you something. This is one of the greatest, important, most important points about leadership. If you're not humble enough to let people work with you and correct you, then there's a problem. That's right. I have found that everybody who works with me works with me because they want the best out of me. They're not trying to hassle me. They're not trying to put me down. Sure. They're trying to help me. And uh, I have four or five people who are closely listening to everything I say at search whenever we're doing a TV program. And, uh, oh, yeah, I have a nose hair. Oh, yeah, I have, you know, you, you think that, that that's a big deal on TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have a... a I, I spoke, misspoke. I suppose say 13, I said three. Or I said this or that. And all these kinds of things, and these people are listening very carefully. Once that is set in, in motion, once that's recorded, you don't change that. Right. Well, when you're in the pulpit, you can correct yourself pretty quickly. But you need to be a person who can take criticism well, to know that people love you, and let them work with you. And you can't have an ego and be a good leader. That's exactly right. And that's, that's one of the things that young, young men, uh, I've known young men that you could tell them something, but you couldn't tell them much. You know, and yeah. that, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. That doesn't work. 
you mentioned something recently uh, uh, in your lesson about preaching the word in the assembly about two years. People don't listen to you for two years. Uh, you want to expand on that a little bit? I think it's good for young preachers to yeah. realize the time it takes before yeah. they really become effective. You, you have to earn the right to speak to people about the most important issues of their life. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've never raised a kid, don't tell everybody how to raise a kid. If you've never been married, don't tell people how to be married. And, and I've known guys who did yeah. that, and I thought, you know, I, I would rather listen to somebody who's taken their armor off than somebody who's never put it on. Yes. And, and uh, uh, that's, that's just life. Right. And, and young, young preachers do, do very well, and they read books, and they study things, and uh, they have a lot of things they can share. But they need to do it in the most humble spirit. And, and recognizing that. But it does take about two years. After you've been there a couple of years and you've buried some of their old folks and you've been with them at the funeral and visited their homes and, and you've eaten with them and they know you and they've heard you preach and they respect you, but you have to earn that respect. And no matter how much experience you have or how good you think you are, right. when you start living and you start getting involved in the lives of the people of a congregation, you, it takes you two to three years before they're going to start listening to you. And only because you have earned the right to speak. Right. I'll never forget. Uh, it was my first full-time job preaching that I learned that lesson. When you said that, I was just like, I remember, and it, it was at least two years. It may have been three or four. And this couple came in and they said, Okay, we've been listening to you preach long enough. We we'd like to ask you a question, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, wow." <laughs> and, but and but learning that was very important for me, and that's well, the reason it, I wanted yeah, to and it does expand take, on it. It does take some time, and and again, you have to earn the right. Yeah, and and there's no there's no shortcuts. Right, uh, I had to earn the right to speak to the people on search. It didn't matter that I had been a preacher for forty years. It didn't matter that I had degrees right. and this and that, and I had. It didn't matter. They didn't know me. Right. And I had to earn a right in their in their hearts and in sure. their lives. And now it's a different story. Right. But uh, it took me two, three, four years. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, for the first five years, six years of, of my work at search, all I ever heard about was Mac Lyon. You know, and, <laughs> hey, you know, I speak on the program, too. You know, <laughs> you know, but, but they had been with Mac for 20, 30 years. Sure. And he had earned a place. That I, I had not earned yet. Right now that I've been with the program for eleven years, I don't hear as much of that. Sure, but it's taken this much time to earn the right, right. to say some things. And uh, so, uh, the young man and all leaders, you know, if you're an elder, the same thing is true. You know, usually elders are people who've already earned that respect and can be put in there. But even a young elder, it's going to take him a while before the other elders listen to him Absolutely. about everything. Well, speaking of elders, let's flip this. Okay. And what advice would you give to elders in regards to that relationship with a new preacher, especially right. a young man coming into the congregation? Remember that he's very much human. He's going to make some mistakes. I have always appreciated elders who said, look, if you've got a problem, instead of firing him, let's work to solve the problem. And and uh, I, I appreciate the elders who did that. Uh, a young preacher... Uh, preachers don't know much about money. And one of the things that they've got to do is help him to manage his money mm. and help him with that. When I went to, to uh, Concord Road in Brentwood, one of the things they did is they said, Phil, we're going to give you $25,000 to 
uh, for you to use as a down payment on your house. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to forgive $2,500 of that $25,000 every year that you're here. Hmm. And so I was there 13 years, and so that $25,000. Now, I had to count 20, that $2,500 as, as income, right. and I paid taxes on it, but it was forgiven, and I didn't have to pay that back. Well, number one, they said, look, we want to invest in you. Well, nobody else had ever said that to me, wow. and that meant something to me. And I wanted to be there, and, and uh, had it not been for the search program, I would have been there to this day. But uh, uh, it was a wonderful thing. Uh, number one is, is elders need to invest in their man. Let him know. And, of course, congregations, large or small, they had the, the resources to do that. Others might not. But I had never owned a home. I was nearly 50 years old and never owned a home. They wanted me to be a citizen of that community. And they said to me, you know, that was important to them. And it was a tremendous opportunity for me to own a home, and I've owned a home since. But if I had not had that help, I would never have owned a home. Sure. And um, uh, money management and, and taking care of them is a big deal. Uh, support for the wife. You know, uh, everybody thinks they've hired a husband and wife, and they've only hired the husband. Yes. Jackie was never the uh, traditional preacher's wife. She always got far more involved, but she did it because she was a Christian. Right. Not because she was the preacher's wife. And whenever my children were growing up, I wanted them to be Christians. I never expected them of this or that, but I expected them to be Christians. And so this was a little different thing. We would never allow anybody to call our kids preacher's kids. We didn't want that. We didn't want that. So we, uh, we were Christians. We, were, we belonged to Jesus, and that's the way we lived our lives. And, and um, uh, I think elders, they need, to, they need to ask a lot of questions. Uh, people come to them and complain to the elders about the preacher, and sometimes elders forget that people come to the preacher to complain about the elders. <laughs> and so you have a whole situation where you've got these outside influences, and that can create problems for, sure. for them. And uh, when I was a young preacher, I, I didn't always know some of these things, but as an older preacher, uh, I saw that it was a part of my work because I made every elders meeting for 13 and a half years. All the time I was Concord Road, I met with him two hours a week, every week of the, you know, there might be a few weeks we didn't, but, but uh, you know, that right. was the regular thing. I met with him all the time. I never had a vote in the elders' meetings, but I always had a voice. And I was able to defend them because I knew what had gone on. I didn't right. tell secrets, of course, but, but I could defend them and say, wait a minute, these men have thought these things through. This is not something they just did in a hurry. Right. So they found me to be a help to them, just like they were a help to me. And I think I think that preachers need to be as involved in elders' meetings as he can. I know there's some things that he doesn't need to be a part of, and I wasn't. But there are a lot of things that they do need to be a part of. So my my thinking is is that involve your preachers. In, in what they're doing, they can be a great help because they are still the spokesman for the congregation. You may not feel like you can sell the program that you want to sell, but he can. Right. So uh, a, a preacher uh, working with the elders and being close to the, the leadership as a whole 
can really do a lot of great things together. Yeah. And that's what has to happen. That's what has to happen. I want to build on that yeah, to one last area here. Uh, I've traveled, visited with a lot of congregations, and one of the areas of my work is to really help congregations put in place a plan for their leadership to prepare the next generation. Uh, that seems to be the piece so sadly missing. Uh, we, our selection of elders is not based upon uh, a grooming process of which we've worked with and prepared men to lead. What would you share would be a good practice or maybe a, a couple of ideas that would help elders consider what they might be able to do to work with the next generation to prepare them so that they would be ready to lead when the time comes? A deacon is someone who's supposed to already be trained in the Word and be able to do some things according to 1 Timothy 3. Right. He's, he's, not a, uh, he's not ready to be an elder, but he should already be someone who knows the Word well enough that he, 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 he's going to do what's right. Uh, if that is the case, uh, and, and this is where elders should do very well in trying to, to make sure that the deacons, who are going to be the next elders many times, uh, and other men who are in roles of various leadership in classes and such, that these men have what they need as far as the teaching is concerned so that they know what the book teaches. They know what the book teaches. They are, they are firm in their foundation. That is essential. If you don't have a biblical foundation, you're going to have a leadership that's going to have problems. Right. And one of the reasons that we have uh, churches that have been vulnerable, who've been led away, is we have people who think they know the Scriptures, but what they've studied is more cultural things, it's cultural adaptations of the Scripture rather than the Scriptures themselves. Right. And so they don't make good decisions whenever the wolf comes in. They don't know how to deal with him, and so he's smarter than we are, so we just let him have his way. Right. And, and um, uh, that, and we're going to, we have these young people, we're going to be popular among the young people, so we're going to let them have their way. And so you have churches that go in a, a direction that's not, not biblical. Uh, number one is they've got to have this firm foundation. Every congregation ought to have a second level training process of biblical foundations and things. Many of our Bible classes are uh, on a lower level. Right. There needs to be some academic levels, some higher level teaching and training of how to do that. Number one, that's so essential. Number two is every elder who goes and visits, get a deacon to go with you. Take a deacon with you. Take someone with you. Show them what you do. Uh, it is that practical thing. Uh, if you're on, like we were looking at last night, if you're on the mission field, take a deacon with you. If you're doing this, take somebody with you. Uh, the best elders are deacons who have trained well and have been with elders. They've learned how elders think. They've learned how to deal with things. So I think there's the practical aspect. There has to be, number one, that the intellectual part of it. Number two, the practical part of it. But also there has to be the grooming of the heart. Hmm. Don't pick an elder if he doesn't love souls, if he doesn't know how to talk to a soul, yes. if he doesn't know how to win a soul. Being apt to teach is not a recommendation. It is a command. That's right. It is an imperative for anyone who's a shepherd. He has to know how to do those things. Right. 
So uh, those are things that for me, I think are, are there that I think are so essential. I think works like you're doing of, of teaching people how to be a leader. A deacon is a leader. Right. You know, he's actually a leader of a ministry. That's what the word deacon means is diakonos is a, a servant, a minister. Right. And he's been given a particular task. Does he do it well? But if he, he does his job well, then he's worthy of honor, as the scripture says. And thank God for good deacons. We need good deacons. Not every deacon is going to be suitable to be an elder. But if he is a good leader, is a deacon, what he's doing is no small matter. Right. No small matter at all. And those who are deacons who do not become elders should not feel like somehow or another they were a second tier or they right. were not important. What they're doing is very, very important. But for those who have the heart for souls and have the leadership and the wisdom to be able to, to make good decisions that affect the whole congregation, that's important. If you're an elder, if you're a preacher, if you're a deacon, you're everybody's elder. You have to be an elder of the whole flock. Right. If you're a preacher, you need to be a preacher of the whole flock. Right. If you are a deacon, yes, you have a concentrated effort, but you love the whole flock. And uh, the, I think one of the biggest problems that I see is you've got people who, who are elders who have their friends and they don't listen to everybody else. Hmm. Or you have preachers who have their friends and don't listen to everybody else. These men, if you're going to be a preacher, you have to be everybody's preacher. Yes. If you're going to be an elder, you have to be an elder for the whole congregation and not just for your little few friends. Right. And I think this is where, this is where the, the training of these men that you reach everybody is so important and so vital. Yes. And I tell you, <laughs> I can't believe how quickly 20 minutes will go by. <laughs> well, I, I, I just love visiting with you. I appreciate so much you taking time because well, uh, I know you're busy and have much going on. And uh, the information that you've shared has been beneficial to me if it's helped thank no you. one else. But I know that it's going to be very helpful well, to you. those who hear the podcast. And uh, so thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, I do want to remind everyone uh, about Phil Sanders and the work at the Search for the uh, Lord's Way and uh, that you can go to their website at searchtv.org. A lot of resources there, ways that you can be involved in helping that program continue to do the great work that they're doing. So please visit their website. And thank you again for tuning in to our SaltCast. Uh, again, my name is Bob Turner with the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, and we just appreciate you listening and pray that the information will continue to benefit you and your journey as you serve the Lord where you're at.